St. Pierre, your host, and we have an incredible show for you today. We have video version, audio version, the full enchilada, because we have a very special guest, very dear friend of mine, uh, and I can't believe it. We've been uh, working with each other, friends, for, gosh, almost a quarter of a century, and I just can't wait for everybody to hear uh, from you, Father Dennis Barry. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor and a gift for these 25 years, really. <laughs> so, Father Dennis, you are a missionary servant of the Most Holy Trinity. You are the director of the Shrine of St. Joseph in Sterling, New Jersey. What else do you typically include in an introduction of who you are and what you do? Well, um, well, I, one of the great things of my life at this point is I've been a, a priest uh, this year's 47 years. And uh, I've been missionary servant for 53 years. So, <laughs> so after a while, you just, that's the gift, you know, and I've had this opportunity because we're a missionary community to be really literally all over the United States, all over the Central America, the Caribbean, Latin America. So uh, it's been a great gift. Like I feel very blessed to be a part of this uh, journey of faith and life with God and with brothers and sisters like you and and your dear family and Carrie and so many other people. So it's a mm. gift. That's so, so we're going to talk about prayer today, Father Dennis. Um, before we do that, though, I'm sure people have asked you this over the course of your priestly ministry. Have you had a favorite mission spot? <laughs> you know, you've lived all over the world, and I'm sure you've found many blessings in all of them. But as you, you know, look back, if you were in an elevator and said, okay, real quick, favorite spot of all time that you've been assigned to. Do you have one or two that are really very fond? Well, I spent 14 years in Southern California in the other, in the sort of our inner city missions there in South Central LA, East LA, Santana, California, a lot of places like that. And that was in my early priesthood. And that was a great gift, you know, to be able to experience that and that and i yeah so i i think southern california has played a beautiful part in my personal life and then more recently the last well everything's been blessed but the last 14 years before i came here to the shrine i was in alabama uh, rural alabama and uh that has also been in a wholly different way a very beautiful and blessed spot in my own experience and life journey and then, of course, I was here in New Jersey before, you know, before I went to Alabama, and that's where I met. Well, I had already met you, but that's where I met Carrie, and so it's every place really I can say this. People say, "Oh no, well, you must." Have. I really can say every place I have been has had special blessings and gifts, and the beautiful people of God are there. And so, well, okay, <laughs> that's but that's yeah, those two places, fourteen years, fourteen years. So that's <laughs> that's a long time, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Father Dennis, how how has your personal prayer routine changed? Um, let's just—I'm sure it's changed a lot since you first became a missionary servant and then were ordained. But let's just talk about maybe even the last couple of years. You know, how has your personal prayer life changed just in the last few years? Mm -hmm. That's a good question, Mike. Um. Well, I, the one thing I have noticed over the years that things get quieter as, as there's something about just the time you spend with God. Like I, I try to, 
it's been years and years and years. I, I, I usually do an hour a day. I've been, by God's good, it's been a great grace in my, my life to just spend an hour each morning as I start the day. Usually it's early in the morning just to be with God in, in, in many different ways, but uh, to be with God. And I've noticed that certainly way before this, but just as you, as you just think get quieter, it's just you. It, it reminds me of uh, when I was in East LA, there were years ago, there was this old couple that sat on the front porch. They've been married like 65 years to this little house. She sat on one side, he sat on the other. And they just sat there and rocked all day. And, um, and you could say, well, they, I guess they don't, they, they didn't say anything to each other because, but in some ways people say, oh, they, I guess they didn't love each other. No, no, no. The whole point is they loved each other totally. They knew each other. They knew what they were thinking. They didn't need words, you know, to say anything more. So I have noticed that, you know, as time goes on, you, things get quieter, but in a quieter in a more beautiful, in a beautiful way, in a very profound way, actually. So, Father Dennis, when you were first discerning uh, seminary and then, you know, you entered the community and then, you know, let's say in the first five to ten years, um, how did you learn how to pray? And were there some key mentors, teachers who really were influential for you? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think the thing that I consider, Mike, one of the great blessings of my life would be at some point, and I couldn't tell you exactly when it was. Um, I knew one of our founding members, Brother Joseph, who was by that time, he seemed like a very old man. He was probably my age at that time, but I'll be 74 tomorrow, next this week. But he seemed like very old to me. And uh, and the thing I noticed about Brother Joseph, he, he had this very regular prayer routine. Every single day, he'd pray for an hour. That was just what he did. And there was something about it that just I considered a grace because it wasn't like I had this great decision. It just sort of happened that, well, I figured, well, if it worked for him, it must work for, must be able to work for every, for me too, you know? So I think that was one thing that helped very, very much just seeing someone pray in a regular way, in a beautiful way, in a simple, very simple way. And, um, and I think the other thing was that through a different experiences in my life, uh, I learned that it's absolutely essential that you be totally, totally, totally honest and open with at least one other human being. That that was essential to free, to provide freedom, interior freedom, to be able to pray well. You know, to be able to be in union with God or with anyone, really, because as long as you're your secrets or anxiety or things. It's, uh, you know, it was in the, you know, the early desert fathers and mothers, they, that's one of the things they, they taught is that you have to be totally honest with at least one other person. Hmm. That was a key for me personally, that was a very key teaching. And by God's grace, since that time, I've always had a spiritual director and obviously a confessor. And that's sort of my cardinal rule. That if there's something I don't want to say to this person, that's the first thing I try to say. So that it's, um, and I don't always succeed, but I think that's that's been vitally important. I know it has. I know it has. 
So can you take us behind the scenes? What happens in that hour? <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that's changed over the years too, but is it um, scripture reading? Is it journaling? Is it just being silent? What's mm. it look like? Well, you know, Mike, it's, it's um, funny. I was very blessed to have, uh, besides Brother Joseph, when I was out in LA for many years, uh, I was introduced by God's grace to this dear lady by the name of uh, Sister Ida, Ida Petterfee. And uh, she was a foundress of her own religious community by the, called the Sisters Devoted to the Sacred Heart. She was from Hungary. Uh, she founded the community when she was 18 years old with university students and the middle of the Nazi regime and the whole thing. They had to escape under the communist revolution. So it was, but she had her doctorate in literature or something like that. So she was a very, she was a great lady, a real lady. I mean, a very, very wonderful person. So I got to have her as my spiritual director. I, it ended up, I thought she was spiritual director for many people. Well, I was the only person outside her community that she was the spiritual director. <laughs> But I feel it was, well, again, one of those great graces of my life because uh, Sister Ida was exceedingly prayerful and exceedingly practical. Hmm. So like one of the things Sister Ida said to me, for example, she said, Father, she said, when you go to pray, you must remember you are with your best friend. And because you're with your best friend, you should always be relaxed. And she even said, you know, you should drink a cup of coffee with your best friend. So that's sort of, and then she said another thing, which I've kept, which has helped me tremendously through the years, you know, is that um, she said, when you're with your good friend, you don't always do the same thing every day, every day. She said, sometimes you like to listen to music. Sometimes you want to talk about things. Sometimes you want to read a book. Sometimes you just want to sit there and be together. And so I think that having that freedom. So her thing was, you know, take the time. It's like any good relationship. You have to give it time. But in that time, feel greatly free, be free to use it in any way that is features, nourishes your soul, nourishes the relationship, you know, and, and that's been a another great, great help to me in, in throughout the years to think like that and realize, well, in years, in recent years, uh, I'd say in more recent years, like maybe the last 25 years, probably, at some point, uh, a book by Henry Nouwen uh, called Behold the Glory of the Lord introduced me to icons. And, um, and I found that, I have found through these past now 25 years or maybe even more, very, very helpful icons hmm. for prayer because, and there's a, there, there's a whole other thing I learned from some studies they did on people in this ENFP, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, Myers-Briggs? Mm -hmm. See, I'm a very extroverted person. No, I'm a very, uh, in, what do they call that, intuitive person. Mm -hmm. In other words, I, I could be in a room for years and not be able to tell you what color the walls were. But, but when you're praying, it works the opposite. So that if you're intuitive by nature, sensate helps very much to take you to a different place. Hmm. Whereas people who are very, and like, for example, for me to close my eyes and try to say a, you know, a mantra or something, mm -hmm. 
in general just mm. leads me nowhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas it's the opposite for a person who is by nature very sensate. Mm -hmm. It helps them to get out, get away from mm -hmm. it. So that's one thing I've learned that, that was helpful to me. Um, what do you find creeps into that hour of prayer? Because I'm sure on a good day, it's a full hour. It just feels good. You, you emerge from that hour and you just have a sense today was a good day of prayer. And I'm sure there are times, you know, whether it's one a day a week or seasons of whatever, where we, I know for me at least, sometimes I can allow some things to creep in, such as, I'll just read some Catholic blogs, you know, or something like that. Or I'll, I've got my iPad where, yes, I'll, of course, start with the daily mass readings. And, you know, my border can be a little bit flimsy. And, you know, so I know for me, I have to just exercise a little bit of gentle discipline in that front. But how about for you? Is it homily prep is it your busy schedule during the day is it correspondence you know what do you find can at times sort of creep into that time of prayer or do you just bring it all in and just you know let the windows fly open and then just give that over to god that's a good that's that's a great question well mike i, I hadn't thought of this much but but i mean in this way but Actually, I begin in my morning, I begin every day by looking at my schedule for the day, my time of prayer, because somehow or the other, it relieves me hmm. that I don't really, okay, so now I know what I'm, I don't have to be thinking, what am I supposed to do today? I know what I'm supposed to do today, and that's it. And the other thing that Sister Ida taught me, which I have found exceedingly helpful through the years, is, is to have a little pad of paper next to you. And when things come into my mind that, you know, like, oh my gosh, this letter I was supposed to get done and I don't have it done yet. All you need to do is just dot down that little letter on the piece of paper, uh -huh. but then it's free. You won't forget that you have to do it later. So that, those two things have been a very helpful thing. Um, and then I, I, something that's been very helpful for me through the years is a book. There's a book called Praying With Your Experiences. And it's, uh, but the point is, is that so many times people think, and I, I'm sure I did at some point, you know, think that, well, you're not supposed to be thinking about, you know, what's about to drive you insane in the pandemic or what you're supposed to do about this or that or the other thing. But in a way that's very artificial because, well, you know, if there's something going on in your family, of course you're, you're. I mean, to try to pretend, okay, I'm going to leave that aside and I'm just going to pray to God. Well, God's very interested in what's going on in your family or what's going on in the pandemic. Or So somehow or the other, keeping, bringing whatever is there that's true of your experience and bring it to the Lord and say, well, Lord, I don't know what the heck to do with this. And sometimes it becomes some clarity, sometimes not for a long time. But it, it, uh, it's a real conversation. It's a real encounter with the living God. You know, and that, at least for me, has been helpful. You know? hmm. Great. So, Father Dennis, we asked, I asked my audience for some questions, um, mm -hmm. and uh, they sent a few in. So I'd like to, to throw those at you, um, because I think they're really interesting, and people, other people want to know. 
how does Father Dennis respond to these sorts of things? So here's one question. Um, what has been the, you've touched on a little bit already, but what's been the effect on your prayer life from your participation in spiritual direction? Ah, oh, key, 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 key. Spiritual direction has been, in my personal life, I can assure you it is totally key. Um, yeah, it's just, it's essential because, you know, not that every time you go to the spiritual director, like, like going back to Sister Ida, you know, she said the first year, I think when I was a new, fairly newly ordained, she would ask me every day, every time I'd meet her once a month, father, how is your sleep? How is your, are you eating good? Are you doing because, and then I thought, well, this is crazy. And I'd say, well, what about my prayer life, sister? She said, oh, yes, tell me about that too. And she knew, and she was right. She said, are you exercising? See, she knew that if you didn't get that right, then everything else was going to be off because that's all part of your real living relationship to God, you know? So spiritual director, and that's just one of many, many, many helpful moments in the, the history of my life with uh, spiritual directors. Every, basically every month for... 50, 60 years. <laughs> There's a lot of spiritual direction with a number of people through the years. They're all good, good folks. Okay. Here's the next question. Um, behind the scenes, do priests privately find it difficult to pray? And mm. what is your counsel or coaching for priests when it comes to prayer? Mm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a good, that's a wonderful question. Well, I think the first answer, the first thing we might, priests are human beings. So the truth is, everybody does, you know. I mean, there's just, and sometimes it's real rich, sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's any good relationship or any real relationship, there's moments of, moments, months, years, sometimes of dryness or worry or when you start to lose balance about, you know, keeping prayers a priority because there's so much else going on. Um, and so I, I think the same basic, you know, basic rules, I mean, for priests, the see, priests are dedicated to that, that you know, as it says in the book of the apostles, Acts of the Apostles, our ministry is prayer and the word of God. That's our main ministry. So you, that's uh, so we have to take an hour, or we should take an hour, you know. But other people, I understand it. You know, they get ten minutes in the bathroom sometimes, you know, <laughs> quiet, you know, and, and that's okay. But I'd say for priests, that's a taking the time because that's your primary relationship. I mean, you know, it's it is your. You know, it's like a couple. If a couple doesn't take time to be together purposely, intentionally, mm -hmm. things are going to happen that are not good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly the same way with priests, with other people, but also especially in focus yeah. on the primary relationship with God. Was Fulton Sheen right when he said that you can always tell when somebody's in trouble when they've stopped praying the daily office? Yeah, um... Yeah, I think it's part of that process. Yes, I think that I think the office has undergone many 
moments since the Second Vatican Council. You know, I mean, it's a, it's not a clear, you know, because people have different experiences of that, you know, I would say. So certainly the office in my life, I mean, when I was first ordained, there was a, a uh, what do you call it, a uh, dispensation from the office. If you read, ten, uh, read a half hour of prayer a day, uh, read the Bible for a half hour of prayer a day. And, and we were not monks, and so I never got into, in the beginning, praying the office on a regular basis. I, I would pray and use it, you know, but, but I was very grateful probably just 20 years ago now or something like that, about 20, 25 years ago. Um, actually, it was, it was right after 9-11. I did the Ramadan fast with the Muslim peoples for peace. And something, one of the graces that came out was, you know, pray, pray five times a day, pray the office. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of relaunched me and that, and as years have gone on, I, I've come to value that highly. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think maybe what what he was saying, or maybe what he could have been saying, what he could have been saying was, anytime you're not intentionally following and and working with the 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 the, the life of the church, or or just the life of prayer, then you're in trouble. That's the, as a priest, I can assure you that that's that's when trouble can come in. You know. Okay. Here's another question: How would you encourage a brand new believer to learn how to pray consistently? Hmm. Well, you know, there's there's uh, um, I, I think one of the one of the uh, I've been. Well, one of the one of the books, quite frankly, more more recently, that I'm actually working with a gentleman who had walked away from the faith for a long time for different reasons, and uh, has sort of found his way back. Is in the process of finding his way back, and and trying to understand from how do you how do you pray? How do you pray? And there's this new the the latest book by James Martin. Learning to pray, I think it's called. I think that's the name of it. I wasn't sure. I, I read part of it. It seemed, well, yeah, it seemed pretty. He has found that exceedingly helpful because basically it's very practical. You know, it's sort of, you know, it, it, it doesn't become, it's real. I mean, it's real for, you know, that's what James Martin's doing in the book, you know. Uh, but other people, like one book, that another book that, uh, much older, much more, well, not more traditional, because Martin's book is, is Walter Sizek, you know, He Leadeth Me. That's another beautiful, that's a simpler book. It's smaller, but it's, it comes from his experience of learning how to trust and to surrender. And, uh, and you know, a number of the books that you've mentioned, Mike, on, on the podcast, you know, uh, you know, the uh, introduction to the devout life, um, you know, the uh, Abandonment to Divine Providence uh, by de Cassade. Uh, there's just a lot of the traditions of the church that are, that, because basically what you're leading people to see is God is everywhere. God is embracing you. That's what all these books are about, you know, and that every moment, every moment of your day is this encounter with the living God. You know, so, and that's what... Brother Lawrence, I think it's called the Living in the Presence of God or Living in the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. So I think all of those books and 
and just trusting. <laughs> you know, helping, journeying with somebody and helping them to understand, well, yeah, just give time to God. That's all he needs is just a few minutes and just say, well, here I am. I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know, but but it works. It does work. I've seen it many, many, many times mm. over many years. Mm. All right, here's another question. Uh, this person says, my routine has become stale when it comes to pray. What is your advice? Uh, well, then I just go back to Sister Ida <laughs> because so many times we are routine. Again, it's like being with the, the someone you love. You know, you, you do what you, you do different things. You know, if it's, you do the same thing every time, well, good, up to a point. But, you know, I, you know, I think uh, I was thinking of that a little bit you know, singing, icons, closing your eyes, music, sacred scripture, a good religious book that gives you some sort of help to the spiritual life. The other thing is, I, I know people, you know, Ignatius of Loyola talks about this, you know, that he would pray lying down. Uh, but he said there's no particular position. I know a few priests that I know, wonderful incredible priest they they pray service people but they're they, so they just walk and they pray as they walk you know or you know kneeling sitting so i think i think anything you can do to change it up is good as long as you just spend the time because god will be faithful if you're just saying lord i want to hear you i want to be with you but this is getting pretty boring <laughs> which you know it doesn't have to be boring you know sure, it doesn't have sure. to be why do you think Catholics have a difficult time praying out loud? You know, whereas it seems like more evangelical Protestants, that's a little more part of their experience. Whereas mm. for Catholics, it's, you know, I think it's safe to say it's just not as much part of their experience. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think, uh, I think, I guess, like, you know, I mean, from my own experience, I can say there was a period of my life where if somebody had said, you know, lead the prayer, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I would say, oh, my gosh, what do I say now? Yeah, our Father, Hail Mary, you know. But I think just as you begin to, as, as you know, as you begin to, I think the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church was exceedingly helpful in moving a number of people in that direction, that help people to feel freer. Um, I think our, our increasing contact with the various uh, different faith communities that, you know, the Protestant and faith communities also has opened us up to understand that this is a good way to pray, you know, and that there is power here and importance. So I think just being open to other people and other experiences helps you to sort of like say, okay, well, this is good. It's not the whole thing, mm. but it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's another question. Um, for young people, or really any people who are going through some kind of a dark night, you know, they just really feel far from God, what's your advice? And does it relate to prayer, or is it just an accompaniment that involves just talking through and, and a lot of visiting? Yeah, what's your... Your counsel there for somebody who just they really feel 
I can't talk to God. I just, I know he's there, but I just, I can't go there. Yeah, sure. I think, I think, Mike, that goes back in a different way to what I said earlier about the spiritual direction. Call it spiritual direction, one person with whom you're being totally free and open. I think that that is key because we can't, we're not made to find our way to God by ourselves. <laughs> we're made to find our way to God through others and with others, you know? So I think, um, you know, just quiet listening. If you know somebody who's in a situation like that, you know, and if they're willing to talk or just, and then we'd be open and we don't maybe have that much answers. You know, it's not like, oh, try this, do this, you know, they're, if they're trusting you to bear their soul to you, then that means that they trust you. And if the whole purpose of this journey is to ever grow in trust of God, if you're the, in a sense, the presence of God to that person at that moment, that certainly is beautiful prayer. That's really the, and, and encouraging them that it's, you know, this, you know, that you just know that God, if they're saying, because if they're seeking God, if they're saying, I don't understand God, that means they're thinking of God. And um, somewhere deep in their spirit is this desire for God. And so uh, you just sort of say, okay, well, I got you. We're, we're here together. And it might take a year. It might take two years, three years. But it works. It works because people are sincerely seeking God. I mean, in the deepest part of their being, if they're hurting, mm. there's, and they're coming to you to talk about it or willing to talk about it, that means that they're, I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. Here's another question, Father Dennis. You've helped many, many, many people come back to the church or come into the church. What is it about Catholicism that you found is really attractive on a deep level for so many people? Well, you know, Mike, I think the thing is, is that it's, uh, it's hard. I think the beauty of the, the beauty of the church is that the beauty that the church is what it is. It's not. Um, it, it, um, it, when I say that, it, it's sort of like God is with you. You know, God is with you, and God loves you, and God cares for you, and and yeah, you messed up, and so did I, so did all of us, you know. Um, and that there's nothing that can stop that love of God forth upon you and through you, and. Uh, and in that process, life comes, you know, life, it opens up to the possibility of life, you know. Um, and I think the beauty of the church is that it is so profoundly substantial. Uh, you know, I was, I think yesterday I was on a, I, I was not on a podcast, but I was talking, I was listening to a talk by someone. And they said that the problem, one of the problems that their concern was, was that our culture has become uh, I don't know what they call it, unsubstantial. In other words, very superficial, you know, on the surface. And the beauty of the Catholic Church is that it's not superficial. It's not superficial. It's profoundly, 
it touches every aspect of humanity and every aspect of human life and it deals with it and and uh and so i think that's the beauty of the church you know, that is the beauty. i don't know if that's a thing oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find out if people like this episode we'll find out um i'm sure father Dennis, we could talk for hours and hours and uh, i can only imagine how fun it would be to to hear you give a, a whole retreat on prayer I just want to give you a chance to promote the shrine and and even just you know this idea of pilgrimage that the holy father's been talking about so much and the unique role that shrines play and uh so yeah i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your current ministry and and the many many good things that are happening uh through through the shrine sure right well yeah well you know as you know i'm here at the shrine of saint joseph uh in this year of saint joseph uh, which was not planned. Uh, the, the Holy Father had that plan, but we didn't know about it. And um, and and one of the things that I have learned about this, about shrines in general is that uh, is that they're meant to be their special places. They're meant to be their their purpose. Unlike the parish, is just to simply be a place where people can come to encounter the presence of God. That's their that's our only purpose. Everything else is now how you help that to happen. You know, we have great freedom to we have a wonderful group called the Men of St. Joseph that meets every two weeks. The Women of St. Joseph that meets every two weeks. We have pilgrimages that come. Uh, we we had the uh, recently, I think last week, we had the Archdiocese, the Archdiocese of Washington. Their seminarians came up for pilgrimage. Uh, we've had uh, groups come in from many different spots, and the point of it is is to encounter this presence of God through the gift of pilgrimage. And we're building a thing called the Pilgrim Chapel right now. It's a beautiful, beautiful, it's a, we were gifted 40 years ago with this magnificent mosaic of the life of St. Joseph. That'll be the centerpiece of it. And uh, it has a magnificent architecture. It's, it's that via pulcritudin is what they call the way of beauty. So to help through this. So I think that there's just and every we have many communities that come here very different cultural groups and different experiences of life so we have confessions every day mass every day so it's just meant to be this place where we have a beautiful gift shop etc etc so uh it's meant to be a place where god can be glorified and where god's people are always welcome day and night whoever you are whatever moment you are in your life it's okay you just come we're here that's why we're here for you. Hmm. Well, we'll make sure we put the uh, Shrine website in the show notes. And Father Dennis Berry, thank you for being our guest. Well, thank you, Michael. And thanks to all your listeners. And keep up this great mission. This is a great part of your wonderful work. Okay? Thank you. Peace be with you.